Hey everybody, welcome to the Climbing Sycamores podcast, uh, where we look at today's topics to get a better view of Christianity. I'm Annie Beagie, and I'm joined by my friends Ben Sadler and Matt Harbach. All right, we're rolling. Rolling. Hey, welcome everybody. How you doing? Before we get into it, a word from our sponsor... On July 16th, there's a community concert here at Victory. It'll be fun, games, and food for the whole family. And Annie's Ben, the playlist is going to be rocking it. Yeah. And, and yeah. there's a band. Yeah. Come on, check Not it out. Not a band, Matt. My the band. band. The band. <laughs> My band. You guys playlist. always do such a good job. You're a lot of fun. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. Shameless self-promotion. Yep. We all love them. We're all wearing their t-shirts right now, actually. You have pipes and... The other gal who sings, she's got Brianna. some pipes. She's Brianna great. just yeah. rocks it. That's yeah, she's a lot great. of fun. And we're really good friends. And she's, my band is like my second family. They're wonderful. How many, where have you guys all played this year? You've played at Summerfest. Mm-hmm. And we did uh, Grafton last week for their like, you know, Independence Day celebration. Um, we'll be on Castle Rock Lake this weekend. So, yeah, we get around. We've got like three state fair shows. Um, How long has the playlist been around? I've been in for 13 years. Wow. Um, playlist started as Rabbit Aardvarks in 2004, <laughs> and we rebranded in 2017 to become the playlist, and I've been around for 13 years. What is your favorite song to play? Currently is um, Stand Back by Stevie Nicks. Okay. <laughs> I just love singing it. So That's good. Fun. And then the song that, didn't you say all white people go nuts over is sweet caroline <laughs> please y'all bum, bum, bum. so good so good so good no matter what no matter what never fails we're still gonna keep doing it it's because the people like, want to hear it's it. not even that good it's just so generic i it's, don't get it yeah. it's like the ymca at a wedding everyone puts their hands up they even know why they're doing it's it. it's the sweet caroline at the wedding yeah that too that, anywhere oh, man okay very there good well come on out everybody i'll be there It'll be a lot of fun. Can't cool. we bring our families out? It's a good event. All right. Now, Annie. Man, you got to talk into the mic. Okay, here you go. Annie, <laughs> what is on your mind? What are, you, what are you upset about? Let's hear it. Oh, boy. Here we go. So, you know, today is July. We're recording. It's, it's July 6th. So, you know, the 4th of July, Independence Day was two days ago. And I'm noticing on Facebook a lot and other social media, Instagram, things like that. People are um, complaining yes. about... This is not my America. This is not my Independence Day. Um, some of the things I've seen, I'm just going to refresh my memory here. I took some screenshots. but um, Just from Matt Matt's page? Is from that what Matt. you guys <laughs> Matt's page? From yeah. my, my alternate ID page. Typical. <laughs> yeah. um, girl draped an American flag with middle finger in the air. Um, freedom for who, she says. Not for me, not for women, You know, not for gay people, not for immigrants, all that. Mm-hmm. That's one. A uh, picture of American flag with giant flames in the background. Okay. You know, um, another, uh, somebody writes, I'll take this day off, but this is not my day of independence. Okay. Um, Do they give any reason why? Or, uh, well, so, okay. so then one more that I found particularly interesting, the Pima County Democratic Party mm-hmm. um, created an event called... F the fourth, <laughs> where 
um, you're supposed to bring comfortable shoes, water, lawn chairs, and your anger. <laughs> okay. Sounds like fun. That does kind of actually sound like fun. <laughs> but your anger over the fourth. And I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, the recent decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. Okay. Um, I think that's probably what a lot of it is. But I'm like, where else do you have the opportunity to say these types of things? I mean, is there's room, you know, you can be, you can be constructive in your criticism or you can have yeah. complaints and nothing's perfect, yeah. you know, but like there's room for, for celebrating yeah. and, and criticism. Like yeah. that's kind of at the core of freedom. Yeah. So, so what are your views on that or what do you think about? Yeah. I, I just think the, well, I think especially the rhetoric in the, you know, F the fourth, it's like, okay, yeah, really. How's that going to help? Yeah. Who is this versus, you know, what, what are you going to do? Um, it just doesn't seem very constructive right. to just be posting arbitrary pictures of the flag in flames kind of thing. Um, it's amazing how much that actually does influence people. I mean, talking to our kids and, you know, just people who are getting most of their thoughts from Instagram or Snapchat or whatever, that you put something out with no explanation, but it's like emotionally charged people sometimes people believe that and say, yeah, that's right. But there's no room or place to, to talk about there's it. There's no depth, right? Yeah. No, if, it's, right. if it's like reasonably well-written, we'll just accept it as true and be like, yeah. oh, that was so profound. Yeah. It's like, well, and there could be, you know, there could be elements of, you know, you can kind of understand maybe why mm -hmm. somebody would feel that way or, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I have not been oppressed. I don't, yeah. I don't have that perspective. Um, so you can kind of, you know, but I feel like what, what, how do I even respond? You know, is it best to, oh, to you just ignore it? You just, I mean, you just have to ignore it, right? You have to just yeah. scroll past it because what are you going to say that is, yeah. I, listen, I would love to engage in dialogue with these people. Yeah. Maybe, in, you know, not online in a, yeah. a person. Come on on the podcast, right? Let's debate. Let's this. do it. Right. I mean, honestly. Challenge everyone on Facebook versus <laughs> Climbing Sycamore's podcast. Let's do it. You know, but to have an open yeah. discussion and. Whenever I've traveled, you know, I find things that I appreciate about other cultures, but I also am so thankful for our culture as well, our country. So anytime I've been like Latin America, uh, Ecuador, or the Dominican Republic, or Mexico, um, it's so fascinating to me where South America has the same and probably more natural resources than that we have than we have. They have all the same oil or more, and especially Venezuela area, you'd look at the Amazon rainforest, all of the resources, all of the land, looks mirrors the Northern Hemisphere um, and North America. And I, I was like, all right, why is there so much poverty? Why is this a third world? And why is it different in, in North America? And, and some people might say, well, we got all of our riches from oppressing other oh, countries yes, or whatever. Of, yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that makes I'm thankful for our country is when the founders said, all right, we got a blank slate. We're going to start over. We're going to learn from what we our experience in Europe, and we're going to start this government with lots of checks and balances. They started with the idea that there's probably going to be corruption, and so we can't just have a monarchy. We can't just have a dictatorship. We can't just have one person, no matter how good we think they are, they're not going to be able to call the shot. So having the checks and balances um, of the legislative branch of, of 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 the judicial system, 
I think that's what's made our country great because nobody, no matter how good or bad they are, they they can't take this country off the rails and allows for some freedom. So, yeah, I think go to Latin America and go to Venezuela and 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 see what a communist dictatorship feels like and tell me that, yeah, it's not perfect here, but it, uh, the different options, I'd rather be here, right? And no, no system is going to be perfect. So it's right. like, yeah, what's the, what's the best? And I think a lot of that too, like that mentality of just complaining about it, it's kind of like you're either, it's a glass half full, half empty yeah. mentality. You know, right. like, yeah, we could sit here and we could complain about all the whatever is glass it's half empty. so condescending all the time. Well, it's like, I just want to take a minute and point out, shut yeah. up. <laughs> Your opinion is not worth a bucket of spit. Yeah. No one is reading this and like, oh, you're right. I should put the hot dogs and brats away and put on sackcloth because your day is ruined by oppression. Come on. Well, and a lot of, you know, and honestly, I see. Spoken like a true evangelist. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Hey, when you get to the point, I love it. Um, I, you know, it seems to me like, and, and half the people I'm seeing posting are not from what you would consider to be like an oppressed demographic, right. you know? And so it's like, Oh, that's even worse. No, I know. I know. And I'm like, well, who? they're fighting on behalf of someone else. Well, you have to oh. wonder at what point does this, is, is this really altruism? Are you really empathizing? No, with they just the, want to make it seem like they're better than everyone else. Is this that, is what you do. They're woke. When you, I don't know. When you don't have anything to be upset about, you get upset about what other people have to be upset about because it makes you look better. Like, or is it altruistic? I, I mean, could these... be celebrating, but I'm helping to fight for you. It's like, no, you just feel guilty because all you do is you spend all your day looking at inequalities in people. And then you try to figure out why that is. And you feel some guilt inside because your life isn't as bad as other people's. Oh, well, maybe that's it. And I don't care what si- I don't care what the issue is. Yeah. I'm saying if you're the person who's like putting these posts, like you're a celebrity or something online, shut I agree. up. I agree. I don't care. It's all going to get reposted to Facebook, Twitter, wherever. And, and, and your opinion isn't worth anything. It just isn't. Yeah. Oh, well, right. there you go. Okay. I do. I do think uh, it's yeah. It is creating more division, and you know. So if there are some inequalities, or, or there are, and there, if there are some oppressed groups, like so, what can you do to help it? Is is the government keeping you from doing anything to serve these people that you're very concerned about? Well, that's just it. And Shut so up I, and put your money where your mouth is, <laughs> right? Yeah. I do think. Uh, again, where else are you going to go? I. I do I love so many other so many things about the different countries I've been in but I keep coming back to thinking wow I I don't know if you if you don't start with this idea that human beings are sinful and we need curbs and we need checks and balances you you end up with other governments who just assume everybody's going to be fine and you don't have any checks and balances and you get a a Putin you get you get these people who take over and control people and if you assume everybody's good, then if they go against what your version of good is, you have to shut them up. You And what's so fascinating about our country, it started saying everyone's bad, <laughs> but we're going to give them freedom to say what they want to say, and we're going to put enough chuck, checks and balances so that nobody's going to um, have complete power rules. Yeah, and, and take over. So I think it's the time to really be thankful. And, and those people who do come to our country... Uh, I think they see that like, wow, okay, I have the freedom to say what I want to say. 
and yet there's not going to be one joker who's going to destroy us. I, I have a friend who just had to move out of Nicaragua. Uh, it's a couple of years ago now. Um, there was some, some um, college students who were, uh, th- this doesn't make the news, I don't know why it doesn't, but they were demonstrating and protesting because the Nicaraguan dictator decided to balance the budget by cutting Social Security. Like, oh, we don't have any money. Our, 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 our books aren't balanced. We're just going to cut Social Security. And so these young people became activists and they tried to uh, stand up for those people's rights. Well, instead of giving them the ability to protest, the government just started mowing them down with, with guns and, and, and then flipped the whole script in the media saying they were the ones who were mm-hmm. causing the problems. Mm-hmm. They are the ones who are starting the issues. If they would just you know, be good citizens, we wouldn't have to do this. And so they, they control the media. They controlled everything. So we still have the ability to say that kind of stuff online and nobody's going to mow us down for it. And so that, that's pretty something to be thankful for. Yeah. So I'll give you your, yeah, have your right to say those things. I don't know if it's going to help ironic. anything. Yeah. It's ironic. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you guys celebrate your independencia? 50 foot slip and slide. Oh yeah. I think, tell us about that. What was that like? I think I heard a little bit about that. Um, well, it's like, it's wide enough for two people to okay. race kind of. So, uh, there was a lot of competition. So, um, who rented it? Uh, Micah and Rubina bought it. Okay. Uh, we're not supposed to name names. Okay. That's right. <laughs> At least not their last name. There's yeah, yeah. lots. Yeah. Yeah. Like, There's lots of people named Rubina. That's right. Hi, Rubina. <laughs> How about you, Matt? What did you just celebrate? Um, we you took just... a walk around a lake, and then it started raining on us. Okay. So that kind of sucked. So then you just went to Facebook and went and... T- and just extremist, <laughs> violent terrorism kind of things. You know how I do. You know, just got to let a little steam off. Yeah. Throw it into the World Wide Web. <laughs> We, uh, went to, we went to our folks and watched our uh, dog just go in and out of the water. Aww. She loves to swim, and that was fun to hang out with my brother and stuff. So, yeah, celebrate, right? We, we did watch National Treasure 2. Okay. We felt it was appropriately patriotic. Okay. Mm-hmm. Movie, that movie's kind of fun. It's it's a little absurd, but it's 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 all right. Yeah, it's kind of like a cleaned-up Indiana Jones, right? And yeah, a lot worse. Yeah. Like nowhere near as good as Indiana Jones. But like, Is Nicholas that part of your Cage bad movie good. group that you... Was, Eck, kind of, it wasn't officially no okay but yeah very good all right enough on that should we move on to the next topic sure okay so i wanted to talk a little bit about friendship i, I ran across an article in the atlantic talking about um robin dunbar's uh study that you can only have so many friends and the, the article is entitled you can only maintain so many close friendships and I was also thinking about some of the other statistics that I've read saying that how much friendship has declined. There was a book that came out, I think, early 2000s called Bowling Alone. And it was kind of researching how many, how I think my grandparents, they were, they had, they were in bowling leagues every night. They were in different, you know, they, they did, they hung out with friends almost every single night. And now you don't see that as much. I mean, you do quite a bit of that, right. but I, I don't see that as much. And there was a statistic that said in 1990, um, only 3% of the population said they had no close friends. Now, 12% say they have no close friends. In 1990, only 4% said they had one close friend. Now, today, in 2021, 7%. Um, it just kind of goes on and on like that. Uh, 1990, 
9% said they had two close friends, now 13%. So in every category, now people have less friends. Um, and that's really sad. So I thought maybe we could talk a little bit about friendship. The Bible talks about friendship a ton and the, the value of it. And then this study, um, Robin Dunbar was kind of famous for saying you can only have so many friends. So he says you can only have 1.5 intimate friends. I don't know how you can be intimate with a 0.5 of a person. Like I think it'd be, I, you know, I'm married to one. I think that's probably enough. I don't know who's got the 0.5 that's adding to that intimate relationship. What do you think? Well, I think it's the one plus one equals three concept. Okay. Right. Like Emily counts as a person and a half there because you. the two of you are three ah, people. Ah, there you go. I like that. That's interesting okay i think that's false by the way but it sounded good and then you can have statistically really uh, one person can handle five very close friends according to his science scientific uh, research you can have 15 best friends 50 good friends 150 just casual friends 500 acquaintances and 1500 people you know their names and then 5000 you know faces do you guys think you can manage more than 1.5 intimate friends? And what do you think? Can you manage more than five close friends? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Tell, you can be very close with over five people. Yes. Okay. Yeah. How, how do you do that? How do you pull that off? Well, I think it's it's just about spending time with people. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, different people have different tolerances for spending time with other people. Yeah. Um, You know, and our, our kids are older, so we're able yeah. to get out more and do, you know, do more mm-hmm. things. And, um, you know, Dave and I have a lot of friends and, and we do have, you know, we've got our like inner kind of yeah. circle and then it kind of. So do you have, but you have probably more than five in that inner circle. I think so. What do you think, Matt? Can you, do you, do you have more than five or less than five in that inner circle? Uh, I'm trying to think about that. Um, you I don't know. We have more than five. Yeah. I don't know how you define that. Like, because cause one thing I'm thinking of is like, okay, like, what would I tell to certain people? Like, who, who, mm-hmm. with whom, with whom would I entrust certain information? And sometimes I just blab. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll just say you whatever. You overshare? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then, then I'm also thinking like, there's some people that I know really well and I know when they're being difficult or they're being stinkers mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you can, you can look past that because you're their friend mm-hmm. and other people where it's like, ah, I just don't want to be with you right now. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. we'll, 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 we'll come back to this when, when, when I feel like putting up with you, you know? Well, and kind of to relate it to the last topic a little bit, I wonder if some of these people who are just taking to Facebook, I mean, these are the types of things that I would talk, you know, uh, some of these more controversial mm-hmm. topics. These are the things that, my close friends talk about and right. we, we work through and we sort yeah. through and we back and forth. Maybe these people don't have friends like that where they can, yeah. you know, that's what you should start posting when someone just like, do you need a friend? Do you need a friend? <laughs> do you need somebody to talk to? Yeah. Well, I, the reason I wanted to talk about is for some of those different reasons. Yeah. So you call them friends on Facebook or whatever. And it says you can have whatever 150 of those scientific or, or yeah friends but we're saying things that we we would have more intimate relationships with you know close friends we're saying some really deep stuff and we're just throwing it out there into social media and it's not the proper mm-hmm. 
platform for your most intimate and is that because you have a lack of close friends that you can share some of these more deeply held beliefs that you have um and i think that is just really screwing with our with our because because you can't have a dialogue and you can't talk about it so i also think there's application to ministry uh how many people can a pastor and a staff actually serve um you know when you get to like we're at you know 650 plus members and you know kind of that's about what average weekend attendance is around 550 530 if you include online stuff you know we're not going to two pastors and a staff is not going to be able to be good friends or close friends with that many people you know you can be friends with or good friends with 50 and so I think that's the number I keep on hearing, like maintaining, like what's going on in your life. And so that that's a challenge. How do you serve these people when you get to that bigger number? And there are real, you know, sicknesses or family dynamics that are a problem and uh, we just maybe need continue to get more staff. I don't know. Well, I think that's different too, because you can kind of choose your friends. You yeah. can't really right. choose your members necessarily. Yeah. So. Yeah, I just think it's a it's a fascinating study. Do you think you know five thousand? You can no five thousand faces. You could no. be able to distinguish. I think so. And some of this, I think, is personality. You know, when you did the strength finders, you know, you have woo and positivity, positive, yeah. yeah. No. Which my it was kind of funny. Like one in twenty thousand people have the same strengths, and you and my daughter have the same strengths. And we went to this youth rally and twenty five hundred people. And I think my daughter met. A thousand of those twenty five hundred people. I love it, and I'm not surprised. I <laughs> yeah. love it. I love it. So that's so maybe just transition then on. Okay, what does the Bible say? And I thought C.S. Lewis has some really. He was that um, Christian philosopher. Had some really interesting ideas on how how friendship actually happens. So, like, let's say somebody says, "Well, I don't have five close friends." Well, how do you get a friend? And C.S. Lewis he wrote this book called The Five or the Four Loves, and um, Here's what he says. Ben, you got to talk into the mic. Okay. I'm trying to read and talk, chew gum and walk. Here we go. (laughs) Friendship arises out of mere companionship when two or more of the companions discover they have in common some insight or interest or even taste which the others do not share and which at that moment each believed to be his own unique treasure or burden. The typical expression of opening friendship would be something like, what? You too? I thought I was the only one. It's when two such persons discover one another, uh, whether with immense difficulty or semi-articulate fumbling or with what would seem to be an amazing speed, they share a vision and it's then that friendship is born and instantly they stand together in an immense solitude. So he has this idea that you, you're looking at something with somebody else and they're intrigued by it. They like it. So friendship, he says, always has to be about something else. Um, so he says, the very condition of having friends is that we should want something else besides friends. Where the truthful answer to the question, do you see the same, same truth, uh, would be, I see nothing, and I don't care about the truth. I only want a friend. No friendship can arise. So he says, if you're so enthralled with the person like that friendship won't won't last because then you just become needy. But if you both share a common interest in bad movies or in music or something like that or sports, 
uh, you can that that's the kind of friendship that lasts. And I wonder if that's another reason why we don't have as many friends is because people aren't necessarily trying new things and they're not getting out of their house to go try a new activity or try a sport or because that's usually where friendship is born. Um, so yeah, if you don't have something that you both share, you know, there'd be nothing for the friendship to be about. And friendship must be about something, even if it were only an enthusiasm for dominoes or white mice. Those who have nothing can share nothing, and those who are going nowhere can have no fellow travelers. So if you're not going anywhere, you won't have anybody to go with you. So I don't know. What do you guys think about those quotes? I think that makes sense, and I think that's why I think I have a lot of friends is because, well, I feel like I can find common interest with a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So I, I... yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah, and I think it kind of talks about why somebody feels like if you're if somebody feels needy, is because Ugh. they're they're wanting something from you, and they're not just excited about the same idea or same hobby. And I've noticed too that like sometimes I'll try a new hobby, and then I'll get friends from that, and then for whatever reason I'm trying something else, and then it's harder to connect with that person because you don't have that common interest anymore. I don't know. What do you think about this, Matt? I'm trying to think of different interests I have with my friends. Some of them are like pretty obvious. Um, but some of sometimes I think that you're just friends because you're just sharing. Like you're just sort of the same age. Mm-hmm. And so you're just going through the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily an interest. It's just kind of a necessity. Yeah. I guess he says that. He mm-hmm. says sharing the same sort of burden maybe. Yeah. And the same journey. You're on the same road. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And then the... Book of Proverbs just talks about the value of friendship. It says, Proverbs 17, 17, um, this is in the Bible, Matt, just let you know. Um, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. So, yeah, like, the value of friendship, if you don't have friends, you know, how do you get through really tough situations? Um, The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. So, Proverbs 12, 26 there talks about the value of choosing good friends that are going to lead you in the right direction. Um, whoever would foster love covers over an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. So I think you were talking about that, Matt. You said, you know, if you're close friends, you know, and they're having their, a bad day, you kind of overlook it. But if they're not close friends, you know, you you might just Dismiss, move on. Yeah. yeah. Um, one who has unreliable unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And then Proverbs 27, verse 6 says, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. What do you guys think about that? I think that's interesting. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. Do you have friends that tell you how it is? And Yes. Okay. Let's talk about that. What do you think, Annie? What do you mean by that? I think that's part of friendship is just transparency and, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I've had friends say like, oh, you know, when you did this, it hurt my feelings yeah. or, and I, I would much rather know so that right. I don't do it again right. or that so that I can apologize and we can move forward. Um, and I've, you know, I've done the same with friends. So, and if you don't say that, well, it's, that, it's building up resentment and, right. you know, like I would just rather clear the air, yep. you know, um, iron sharpens iron. So one person sharpens another, you know, C.S. Lewis talks about that a lot too, that, you start enjoying things more. You become a better person through friendship. You know, this makes you, it, it leads you to strive farther. Um, yeah. 
Very good. Um, one, maybe one more. Proverbs 27, verse 9. Perfume and incense brings joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. Heartfelt advice. I don't know. I've been I've had times where you're just down and you can't really see out of your own way. And then I've had a friend who's like, oh, look at it from this perspective, and mm-hmm. it can totally change mm-hmm. your mood. Oh, one more. Ecclesiastes 3. So this is also written by Solomon, same guy who wrote Proverbs, says. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? The one may be overpowered. Two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. I think it's just really beautiful on the power of friendship. So. Yeah, I, I don't know if there's any other comments on that. I just think that it's it's worth. It's also it takes time, like you said, and it's. I think we're so focused on efficiency, you know, quick messages, uh, getting the most done. Uh, how can I have the little, you know, the least amount of interaction? Like, I don't want to like go to the restaurant. I want it to be Uber drive. You know, somebody's got to Uber it to me and I don't want to talk with the driver. I just want to grab the food. So we don't spend a lot of time in our culture talking with people, but if you want a friend, you're going to have to spend that time, make those sacrifices. So any, anything that you're thinking about when you hear those, what do you think, Matt? Hmm. A couple of thoughts. Yeah. One I've had on multiple occasions uh, I don't, I, you know, sometimes if you're just trying to think through something and then a friend will say to me like, yeah, well, you, you know, you're really, you're really like that or that's that, you know, that's just really how you are. And I'll, you know, and they'll just describe something about me and I'm thinking like, not really, like, I don't really think I'm that way. But you, that happens to you enough and you start thinking, okay, well, if someone else is seeing that all the time, yeah. that's probably true. Yeah. You know? Um, and I've had different, all kinds of different people tell me different things about myself. And it's like, nah, I really don't think that's how I'm going about it. But, you know, if you only are using your own perspective, you're only going to get so much. Yeah. So that, that that's helpful, right? Because mm-hmm. you think you are presenting yourself a certain way to the world, but mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Yeah. Because yeah. they're, they're perceiving it a different way. And I think... Um, Another another thing about making friends is I kind of said I overshare sometimes, and I, I think I do. I, I think I, I'll just go off on like a, a big spiel about something. But it's just because I kind of stopped caring. Like, you don't have to feel bad. Like, I, I don't know why you, you have to feel bad about sharing something about yourself. You know, like, what are they, what are they going to do? They're going to rant about it on Facebook probably. <laughs> like... You know, if you if you share something that would be considered vulnerable about yourself, I don't know, maybe I just, like, you, you maybe they care, maybe they don't, but mm-hmm. I'm interested in it, obviously, because I've yeah. been thinking about it or whatever. And I think people have a really hard time, a lot of people have a really hard time opening up about something mm-hmm. and just ask yourself why. Yeah. And and maybe maybe that person will will won't care about you you know maybe they won't maybe i don't know i don't know how you get betrayed in Mm -hmm. this sort of situation but maybe in some sense they'll betray your trust or they'll tell just ask yourself why that bothers you Mm -hmm. why do you care if people know 
you know, it's because yeah. we're, we're all trying to go around making sure everyone thinks that we're doing very well. Yeah. Uh, well, it helps to, yeah, I think that vulnerability actually creates more connection, right? When you actually yeah. just be honest with what you're thinking. I think I should have looked up the statistic before I, but there was there that study of the blue zones, you know, people who are mm-hmm. centennial, centennials, there you go. They, uh, they found that friendship and community is actually more important for your longevity than a healthy diet and exercise. And if you're alone, it's like worse than smoking a pack a day. Mm. And so I think people coming out of the pandemic, maybe, you know, that's one of the hardest things is, all right, where are my friends? Uh, I lost so many of them or interests, things that I were interested in and, and I was doing beforehand. And I think if you're, asking the question, how do I start over? How do I, you know, regain a, a group of friends? I think his advice, C.S. Lewis advice about go on a journey, find something you're interested in and you'll find fellow travelers. Don't seek out friendship, seek out a journey, seek out an interest and friends will come along the way. So I think that's a really important difference because if you seek out friendship, you probably won't get it. But if you seek out a journey, you'll probably get friends along the way. All right. I think that's enough on that. Matt, what do you want to talk about? Yeah. Um, so I've been thinking about kind of just our culture, our society, our country, maybe, um, our relationship to alcohol. Hmm. And we have a pretty good group here. Yeah. Because I drink so seldom. Like I'll have one thing once a month or something. I don't, it's never scheduled with whatever. Yeah. Ben drinks on occasion and he's a raging alcoholic, of course. So. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not throwing her under the bus. Are you shaking over there? No. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I had to. Anyway, so this is this is my perspective on the issue. So a lot of people have said that it's pretty ridiculous that the drinking age is 21 Mm -hmm. because you can vote and buy a house and uh, like go die in the military at age 18. Sure. But we have this like, oh, you're not really responsible with alcohol till you're 21. Mm-hmm. Of course, you can't rent a car till you're 25. Correct. But you can drive a car when you're 16. So it's like, I, you know, Where and it's these come from. Yeah. At the same time. Yeah. I think we just have such a checkered past with it. You yeah. know, people um, start drinking in high school. They have yeah. parties. They hide from their parents, from the teachers, from the law. Yeah. That continues into college. Yeah. Heavily. Right. Then they become adults, and instead of hiding it from the authorities, now parents start kind of hiding it from their kids, and we speak about it sort yeah. of coyly. Yeah. And um, people say things like, "Oh, I'm gonna need a, need a drink after this," you know, yeah. or it's a yeah. name it. It's a it's a wine kind of yeah. night. Right. And now it's not a beverage; it's more of a medication. Right. But it still has like this weird. Uh, for so many people, it seems like we're just sort of hiding it, and you know, like. Treating it like this dark little not so secret secret, and it's like we need what we have such a weird why why is this the one thing that it's like oh protect our kids from but they're probably gonna do it wink wink so that you we know it's hurting us but we're still okay with it or what do you what are you getting at I don't even know I Mm -hmm. don't even know it just doesn't make any sense what doesn't make any sense it doesn't make any sense that. We treat it like the law treats it like we have to we have to wait till you're 21 years old mm-hmm. 
but it, we sort of have this understanding like everybody knows your kids are going to start experimenting in high school yeah when they go to college i mean they're well the drinking age <clears throat> excuse me was 18 mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. i mean then yeah. that changed what in the mm-hmm. 80s 70s mm-hmm. so and i think it's still i think on military bases you can drink at age 18 mm. i i've been reading a couple different books on this that that have changed my thinking uh there was a book called drink uh by i forget his first name the last name is nut and he and he researched what your body actually what happens to your body when you drink and uh what people think happens um i also read a book called never enough it was on drug use but also on drinking and it was a woman who was an addict uh who then became a neuroscientist and she kind of researched the effects of it and then i just i'm finishing up a book right now called dopamine dopamine nation um and that one is fascinating but i think people need to know what actually is happening when you're drinking i drinking works like if i'm nervous about something like playing a golf match and little high high stakes and i drink all of a sudden i start playing well like it, it kind of does kind of numb that anxiety and so it works um the problem is you your body is designed by God to create it always wants to get back to um, homeostasis. It always wants to get back to baseline. And so when you drink, you have a new baseline. And so now you drink not just to um, feel good, but now you drink just to maintain that new baseline. And so it really messes with your hormones. It really messes with how you function. And it's an it sets new baselines, and I think the the uh, definition of, of course a, you're talking about over drinking. Well, I'm, if you drink on a regular basis, um, and you use okay. this as what you're saying, use this as kind of a way to deal with life, uh, you'll get a new baseline. Um, just kind of almost the same thing happens with coffee and caffeine too, right? You you used to drink caffeine to wake up in the morning and now you can't wake up without it because that's your new baseline just to get to normal. You get headaches. Right. That kind of stuff. So I I do think it's, it is something, especially in Wisconsin, a social thing. Like we just went out with friends last night and you know, you go out and you have a drink. Um, That's just what you do. But I I don't think we understand scientifically and spiritually what it always does to us. The Midwest is, excuse me, particularly bad. I think, um, you know, other parts of the country, mm-hmm. they don't, you know, Wisconsin. The, the Yeah. I think it's just the culture is so bad. It's just like when you're, when there's a, an event to get drinking, to go drinking, it's kind of assumed that you're just going to have way too much, Yeah, you know? And it's like, we, I feel like we drink to get drunk so often. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just almost part of it. Like, yeah. and, you know, and it's, it's sort of like, um, you know, if I mean, if you can, if you can hold your liquor, so to speak, or if you can, if you can have more, that's that's better. Yeah. You know, it's just better. Like, and you can yeah. boast about it too. Can, like, yeah. exactly. oh man, you yeah. know, yeah, yeah. In this book, Dopamine Nation, she talked about recovering addicts as being modern day prophets. That they, when when a person goes into recovery, they start to realize their own limitations. They they realize how giving into these different things, you know, doesn't make them better and doesn't, doesn't help their lives. It's, I think the definition of addiction is, is something like 
doing something that's ruining your life, but you can't stop doing it. You you keep doing it, hoping it's going to help, and it, it it actually makes things worse. Um, and so I, I I do think when you work with people who who are in recovery, they can tell you so much about human nature. They can tell you so much about how much we lie to ourselves about what we actually can handle. Um, so yeah, I, I, I wish there was, we need to find other ways, I think, to gather that's not just around drinking, but it is part of our culture. I mean, even in, in, uh, in, I think, in our church culture in Wisconsin, you know, what we, what we accept in, in the church culture in Wisconsin is very different than the church culture from other different groups in different parts of the mm-hmm. country. I think with the law being at age 21 too, it's so, it's so weird to say that someone's not going to be respond like, oh yeah, we don't, we don't believe that you will be responsible with alcohol until you're age 21. Mm-hmm. People start learning responsibility when they're like five, mm-hmm. you know, but for this, for this one thing, it's like, you got to wait until you're 21. And in other countries, I mean, people drink when they're like 16. Mm-hmm. And so do you think that's part of the problem that because we make it this thing that we hold off, we don't educate yeah. people, that we just give them this thing when they're 21 and they don't have any help well, to kind of navigate it? Yeah, and I'm sure most of them have probably, they, most people experience it way before age 21, but we treat it like it's, it's this, it's the forbidden apple, the forbidden fruit. Yeah. And so when you're in high school, you think, oh, only adults get to do this. Yeah. And um, kids like feeling like adults for yeah. whatever reason. Now that I'm here, I don't understand why. But, um, <laughs> Stay young. <laughs> but it's like it's like oh, this is an adult beverage, right? I mean, we could even go into movies at some points, adult movies, like as if it's good or fine for adults to have. Yeah, it's like it's a drink, and it does the same thing to everyone's brain. Yeah, generally speaking, um, and it doesn't matter how old you are, and it's not like you've just attained a level of maturity by turning age twenty-one. But I think the fact that we hold it off and we hold it away from people makes them just want it more and it and you treat it it's it's there's a more rebellious nature about it. You know. So what do you think the solution is? Prohibition number two. <laughs> yeah, that it. worked out that for worked, us. Yeah. What could go wrong? <laughs> I'm just looking up this book. I, I think um yeah, it's David Nutt, Drink, the Su- New Science of Alcohol and Health. And I think what I like about the book is I think people need to just be aware of what this is actually doing to you. And mm-hmm. then you can make your choice. The funny thing is he's actually, he owns a wine bar with his daughter, the author of his book. And he he just really wants people to know this is actually what's happening. And it's going to lower your baseline. Um, you'll, you'll probably feel good for a moment, but do you ever have, you know, a hangover is a is a really big example of this, but usually however good you feel, your body wants to get back to homeostasis. So it actually make you feel worse afterwards uh, to kind of reset your balance. And so, yeah, we just need to be more aware of what it's actually doing. And I just get caught up in, oh, this is just what we do. This is part of the drinking culture. Make a conscious decision. I want to do this and I'm accepting the risk with it. Well, where do we even, where do we even teach people about this stuff? Because the two that are sticking out in my mind are or three one would be it was drilled into me in like middle school high school age drinking is bad don't do it okay um, by, by whom by your parents or the or teachers teachers, yeah. okay. teachers um 
second one is when you're going through driver safety. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's this will kill you. Don't do this. Yeah. It's bad, right? So that's that's two examples of this is bad. Don't do it. Right. And then the third example was when we were in college, we all had to like sit through this video of like college campus alcoholism is up to like 40% or some ridiculous right. number. And then it's like people are dying and getting blackout drunk and they wake up and they don't know where they are. Um, and Annie's trying to hide her smile over there. I'm not. Oh, and, and that's a third example. And literally all the education is, is this is a terrible thing that could happen to you. Yeah. Do not do this. Right. That's what we call education. And we don't start till you're going to learn how to drive. Yeah. People, a lot of people have already experienced, experimented with alcohol and they've learned from their friends. Uh, you don't die every time. You don't get blackout drunk, kidnapped, date raped whatever actually it's a lot of fun and i do it at my friend's house all the time so everyone else the authorities they're probably lying to me and Mm. that just that just contributes to it so what do you think the solution is just teach it in schools like everything else okay and what would you what would you teach what would you say We'll teach what it is yeah like you said like what is this thing what does it actually do to your head Mm -hmm. you know and 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 then you know, I don't think you need to be selling like a quart of vodka to like a 12 year old, but people should be able to drink. You can graduate up to it. I mean, that's what a lot of countries do. Yeah. They can, in some, you can have, you can start drinking, you can buy beer when you're 16 and then when you're 18, you can get wine or whatever you can, and you can work your way up to it, but, but don't treat it like it's this forbidden thing and it'll kill you. And you have to be 21 years old to handle the power of the alcohol because that's, and the kids want the power. Yeah. The kids want the power. What, how much do you think what you saw at home influences how you treat it today? Because I don't know. Do you, we had no alcohol in the house growing okay. up. Okay. Do you think that as that's why you don't really do it, or do you think as probably? I mean, it wasn't on principle or anything. Just my parents think it tastes gross. Yeah. And I probably had a sip here or there at, yeah. at a thing, and I was like, "This is gross." Yeah. I don't like it. Yeah. And I'm still that way. Yeah. And yeah, I don't. I I haven't really experienced alcoholism or around right. me at all. Anything right. like that? I, I legitimately think it's gross and expensive. Yeah. I, I, it's it's a complete waste of everything to me. But yeah, um, um, yeah. I I I, I don't have a problem. Yeah. Again, it's not a it's not a principle. I don't have a problem with people around me. Yeah, drinking. Yeah. Um, again, I I just think it should be something that's that we should be open about. I mean, it's, it's the same thing with like, um, probably like sex and movies and money for heaven's sake, financial education. But, but it's like teach kids things. Don't treat it like, don't treat this like, Oh, when you're an adult, you'll have to, you'll have to figure it out. Cause, cause who's going to teach you? You're going to teach yourself or your friend at his campfire is going to teach you, you know? I think what I've learned is, uh, and I wish I would have known this earlier, is it works. Like kind of what you said, you know, if you have, if you have anxiety or you're sad about something or you feel awkward, you know, it cleans that up really quick. And yet it causes so many more problems after, if you drink for that reason. And so I think the big point is why are you drinking? Is I'm just hanging out with friends and I really like the taste of this. And you know, it it does kind of, it's, it's fun to kind of calm down with friends or am I doing it because I have a deeper 
pain that I'm trying to alleviate or an anxiety that I'm leaving it because that might work for a little bit, but it will, it will, there's never enough for that. You're, you're never going to have enough alcohol to get rid of all that pain. So that's what I think we need to educate is why are you doing this? And uh, you, you really have to be clear on that. I don't know. What do you think, Annie? I don't know. I'm just over here getting drunk. <laughs> per usual. <laughs> Just running with it. <laughs> um, to all of our valued listeners, Annie is not a raging alcoholic. Yeah. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, jeez. No kidding. I know. The, the views the expressed river. in this yeah. podcast may not reflect the views of the production company. Or reality. <laughs> or reality. Thanks, yeah. guys. Yeah. Um, no, I agree with that. I think, I think you know, it's easy to get carried away when you're, when you're with friends. And, yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's a camaraderie to it. Yeah. You know, um, and I don't know if that's wrong necessarily, but, um, well, it's a lack of self-control for sure. Um, but you know, it's, I, you know, people who just sit at home alone, yes, drinking while they're watching TV. Um, you know, I could see maybe like a glass of wine or something, but if you're like, if you're pounding drinks alone, yeah another issue uh, yeah i mean and it does work right it, it does make you feel better in the moment numbs whatever kind of unwanted feelings you have distracts yeah yeah but it will cause all sorts of other consequences that's what any drug does you know there's always a warning label on there right so i i think maybe you know bringing this topic up my really got to ask you got to confront the why are you doing this and if your why is I'm trying to cover up an unwanted feeling or guilt or shame, like those things have to be answered with therapy, God's word, spiritual leaders, guides, and friends. And, you know, that's why we here exist as a church, to help people walk through that. And then also realizing that I, I do pre- think that, you know, people who've gone through recovery are some of the modern day prophets they do tell us our limitations and help us see what really is valuable and they call us on our crap on what we are willing to lie about um so yeah i i think it's more than education you know i think that is a part but educating also why why people do this and i think the same can happen with you you mentioned sex and money also food you know, all those things work to try to numb our, our unwanted feelings in the even, moment. Even good things like exercise, I yeah, think, that's can, right. you know, can do that too. Yep. Have you guys um, encountered people who you would call alcoholic or maybe even any, like what are yes. some signs and what are some causes and some signs that you've noticed with people where maybe they didn't even have to tell you, but you're like, mm. I think for me, the experience has always been guilt or shame. Um, if you have had an adverse childhood experience, uh, that according to this ACE study, um, you are way more likely to have some kind of substance abuse. And so that's why that's really changed. If you see somebody who is an alcoholic, they, no one wants to be an alcoholic. Nobody wants to go there. So to have some compassion, ask questions, you know, how did we get here? What led you to this? What unwanted... What, what kind of PTSD, what kind of abusive situation, what kind of adverse experience did you have that you're trying to, to medicate for? And you have to deal with that. And, and so I think that's a sign and to have some compassion. Um, 
it is just so hard because once you start wiring your brain, like you have to detox for a long time to re rewire your brain. And it's all, it's very possible and it can happen. But once your body gets used to that, you, it'll be telling you, you have to do this to function. And so, uh, it's no surprise that people are hiding bottles that they, cause it, um, I heard the illustration of like, just think if you had an itch on your body and you couldn't scratch it and you always had this itch and how easy it would be like if you don't tell yourself, don't scratch it, don't scratch it. And then for a few minutes you were thinking about something else and you just started scratching it. That's what happens to alcoholics. I mean, they're telling themselves, don't drink, don't drink, don't drink. And then in a moment they do it without even thinking. Sometimes they black, they don't even know they did it. Right. So I think that's, that's something to have is compassion uh, and try to, and get all the help. I think AA has done an incredible job. Scientifically, it shouldn't work, but they, they have the community, they have the teaching, they have the camaraderie, they call people on their crap and they, they, and so much of it is learning to tell the truth about everything mm. you, you tell that cause there's so much lies that, that, that go along with this. Yeah. What about you, Annie? Um, I have friends who have, uh, experienced it, uh, you know, like true alcoholism. Mm -hmm. Um, they, they often, I mean, in fact, I'm kind of estranged from one Mm -hmm. now because I was like, you're out of control. Yeah. And it was no, 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 no. And, and, um, so I, he did actually reach out to me probably about a year ago, Mm -hmm. but we hadn't talked for like five years prior to that. And he said, you know what? You were right. Yeah. That's good. Um, I don't drink at all anymore. Wow. Um, not, it's not because of what I said. I think he was, he was like, I'm so sorry. Yeah. You know, I, I ruined our friendship. Yeah. You know, um, and that's part of the recovery process, right? right. To amend those relationships. Right. right. Yeah. It is, you know, on one hand, you know, it's, it's, it, it's such a powerful force because it is something that really, you know, we can enjoy with friends, but it can destroy relationships, destroy families, destroy your income, destroy your life too. So we, so I, I, I don't blame whatever the government wanting to wait, whatever legal, waiting till 21 to, to, to hold off on that. But it doesn't, like you said, it doesn't always seem to be the answer. You know, we it has to be education at home probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's all I got. All right. Cool. God bless you guys. If you'd like to get a hold of us here at the Climbing Sycamores podcast, feel free to email bsadler at victoryofthelamb.com. B-S-A-D-L-E-R at victoryofthelamb.com. If you like today's intro music, it's been brought to you by Andrew Lynch's song, My Name, Hello.